The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, November 10th. 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great week. We are on the eve of the eve of UFC 281 going down at Madison Square Garden this Saturday. Main event, we all know what it is, Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. Middleweight title on the line. History, storylines, everything you would want for a main event. We got it in spades. Of course, we got the strawweight title fight, Carlos Barza versus Zhang Wei Li. A lot of people on Zhang. I feel like Carlos is getting swept under the rug here. Curious to know what you think about that. Of course, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. The whole card is fantastic. We'll talk about that and much more. And of course... I will be in New York. I will not be at the Mecca. I will be at the beautiful Vox Studios with my man GC. Live watch party, 9.45 p.m. Eastern time. We'll go on about 15 minutes before the main card starts. And then we're just going to watch the main card all together. We'll have special guests, some fun times, some games, some cool stuff, some betting stuff. We'll get you all involved. It's just going to be a lot of fun. So... A lot to talk about. We could talk about 281. We could talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. But here's what I want from everybody today as well. For whoever's hopping on in to discuss this card or whatever you want to talk about. At some point through your rantings, I want you to give me a bold prediction for 281. A bold prediction. Give me something. Think outside the box. Let's have some fun with this. All right? So we could talk about whatever you want. But then the last thing, give me a prediction. A bold one. Not just, well, I think Odesanya wins a decision. No. Give me something different. All right? Let's get into this thing. I am excited. Let's go. Double A. Hello. Good. You? I'm all right. You said you wanted a bold prediction, yeah? Let's go. Okay. Just give me a second to think. <laughs> um... Bold prediction. Okay. 
You can talk through. You can talk about whatever else you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I'm going. Just I'm, throw something in at the end. I'm, I'm going to, but I just wanted to think. I will bring up what I wanted to bring up first. Um, are we any closer to getting uh, an Amanda Nunes fight announcement? Do you know? And um, um, if it's not Juliana, who do you think she would fight? Who would Juliana have to fight before she gets um the, the title fight again? Um, okay, my bold prediction. Okay, I don't know if this is bold or what. I think, I think that um, jeez. Uh, uh, give me some prediction, anything. Doesn't have to be like crazy out of the box, but I mean, I, I want to say, I wanna, whatever, I, if you think it's bold, make it bold. If you think it's bold, then it's bold. Well, I don't, I know some people are saying this. I've said this already, so I'm gonna say it. The main event, I feel like it's gonna it's gonna come down to how how that left hook is dealt with, and I honestly think it's gonna be dealt with in one way. You ready for it? Ready. Naughty night on the canvas. Is he's going to sleep? Damn. All right. Thank you, Double A. So here we go. Is he's going to sleep? Old prediction. As far as Amanda Nunes goes, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be Juliana Pena. I think it's down to two. It's probably Ketlin Vieira. But what I think they're going to end up doing is the Valentina Shevchenko fight because I think you got to strike now. That Brazil card is is pretty solid, but I think it needs something else. And if you could do Nunes versus Shevchenko on that card as the main event, I think that would be fantastic. Plus, like, there's no true emerging number one contender at 125 for Valentina. I mean, Man and Fioro just won, but it looks like she had to go into surgery. She's probably she wants to fight Alexa Grasso. Alexa Grasso wants one more fight. Lauren Murphy's fighting Jessica Andrade at one twenty-five on that same card, so maybe Andrade can emerge for a rematch. I don't know, but I think right now the biggest fight for both of those women is just to fight each other. So I'd love to see that at Brazil clock's kind of ticking, but maybe we'll get an announcement on Saturday. I don't know, but I feel like. If, if I'm the UFC, that's the fight I'm trying to make. I know Amanda said she wanted to take some time off and, and all that after the Pena fight. I just don't think is going to get another shot. Like, maybe she'll get one. So how I would do it is Nunes versus Shevchenko, do Pena versus Vieta, and then if Pena wins, she gets a title shot. It's a, re- it's a, it's a rematch against either woman who just who beat her the last time she fought them. Nunes, Nunes beat her pretty convincingly in the second fight, and Shevchenko finished her when they fought the first time when Shevchenko was at 35. So that's how I would do it. We'll see if the UFC is going to do the same thing, but that's exactly how I would do it. Let's go to Pella. We went from double A, now we go to double P. Are you there, sir? You're muted, so. Are you there? All right, try again. We'll get you back in here because you were muted. Let's go to Zeke. Hello, Zeke. Mike, how are we? Good. Can you hear me? Yep. 
You get a mute. Yep, you I got go you. Go to the glue guy. We're good. I absolutely love it. I uh, got my prediction. Extremely bold. Got to leave it for the end, though. Got to leave you guys on your toes because I'm excited for this card. I got a question for you, Mike. What are you most excited about for this card, if I could ask you? I mean, it's definitely the main event. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I think I'm as excited for as for what everybody else is excited for. The main events, the Chandler Poirier fight's ridiculous. I would say if we're if we're going a little bit lower, and I talked about this earlier this week, I am very curious to see what Dominic Reyes looks like on Saturday. That's like my low key question I need answered. So I'm very curious to see what the the time off, the move to. Danbury, Connecticut for this camp, training with Glover and Pereira and Terman and all those guys. Uh, I'm incredibly fascinated by that storyline. I mean, I agree. I want to see how uh, Dominic looks after, you know, what year he did the last time we saw him in the octagon. But moving forward down this card, I got specialized on Brad Riddell. I think that's going to be a banger at lightweight. Let's see how Brad responds. Uh, after what happened, unfortunately, with Jalen Turner. But that guy's just a freak. You know what I mean? Who the hell wants to fight that guy right now? Um, but with that being said, I got two little predictions, Dash. I guess you could say bold takes. I don't think the main event's going to be what we think it's going to be. I think Izzy's going to need to keep his distance, his space, and do what he does. He's going to need Pereira to gas. And I, I think we might be looking at a decision. I think we're going to be looking at an Adesanya normal style the way he does, the way it kind of rolls, cannonair kind of way. However, if you watch that fight back, watch it back. Jared hit Izzy late. I don't think Pereira is going to be able to keep the gas tank to hit him late. However, if Izzy drops his hands like he did in the fourth and fifth round, good night, Adesanya. And my bold take, here we go. Frankie, the answer. Edgar, get you done in one. Mike gets it done in one. I mean, that'd be pretty damn cool for everybody in attendance. I don't think the Adesanya decision prediction is all that bold, but listen, this has like, I'm so torn on this fight because there's like so many different stylistic vibes that pop up in my head. Cause I feel like, like Pereira is so dangerous, but I just feel like I just feel like Izzy's better than him in a lot of ways. Like I know Pereira has just that power; it's so sneaky, you don't see it coming. But I just feel like Adesanya is better than him as an MMA fighter across the board. But sometimes you just have that equalizer, and it doesn't really matter. So I'm curious what Pereira's game plan is going to be, the preparation, and just how Izzy's mindset is. Heading into this thing, like standing across the cage from a guy who's already beat him and knocked him out viciously. I know that was a while ago. I know that's a big part of the storyline and all that, but I don't know. It, it, I just feel like this is one of those things where, like, prayers just, prayers not going to do a lot to like win rounds. You know what I mean? Like, he's not just going to like pile together strikes to just win rounds against Adesanya. He's just going to land the big shot, maybe steal something. Like, it, it's not going to be a volume striking style that's just, we're going to watch around and be like, oh, that was a close round. Pereira won it. I don't, I don't think we're going to be look. I don't think any of the rounds are going to be like that. 
I think it's going to be either Adesanya just wins the round outright or Pereira gets a sneak knockdown or something to steal it. So I don't think it's – it's just going to be such a strange fight. It could be a boring Adesanya fight, which, again, I don't have a big problem with. I don't know if Pereira is going to fight him like Cannonier did and just be uber cautious the entire time. I don't know. I don't know if we're looking at like – and I don't think it's going to be like this, but this is just – the way people compare this fight because of the 25 minutes and the danger, who knows, they, who knows if this is going to be like a Cyril gone Derek Lewis type of thing. Cause that's the way people looked at the Derek Lewis, Cyril gone fight. Cyril's the better fighter. Cyril is going to be the man, but when you give somebody like Alex Pereira or Derek Lewis 25 minutes to land one shot, it changes the narrative a little bit. And I think Pereira is obviously a better technical striker than Derek Lewis is a much better one. But still, the same dangers apply. And if, what if what if Pereira can't hit him? What if he can't land that big shot? That we could be looking at a 50-45? Who knows? I just have so many questions about this fight, and that's what makes it so fascinating and interesting. I can't wait to see it. Frankie in one. That would be something. Let's go to Boston. Brett, hello. Good morning. Hey, um, I'm just uh, looking forward to this 281 card, and uh, I got a, um, I don't know, I got a question. How the hell is Michael Chandler in DDP not a five rounder? I, I get the idea; it's the third fight and everything like that. But I think the UFC missed it on this one to not making this part of a, uh, not making this a five rounder, because one of my bold predictions is this is going to be like a fight of the year, and it's just going to be bombs being thrown by those guys. And I mean, I, the way I see it, it's it's almost like if you put Jason Gaethje in front of uh, Chandler when you see uh, Poria. And they just throw in, and uh, I'm just really uh, disappointed that that's not a five-rounder. And uh, that prediction is uh, going to be a fight of the year candidate. And my main um, prediction is uh, Pereira is going to sleep Adesanya. This guy... He is so sneaky. I, I've been watching his fights on YouTube religiously recently, and just he's he he he, he hunts you down like he's like a quiet assassin. And when he gets close, that left hand's gonna put out anybody in in, in the game, and um, he's gonna uh, make the division wide open, and it's uh it, it's gonna be a game breaker, and uh. And I just want to give you one last observation on um, I watched one of your famous fights uh, again, um, Saruki and, and uh, Gamrot. And I, I tell you, I, I watched it one time. I thought Gamrot won. I watched it another time. I thought Saruki won. I still don't know how they judged that uh, that fight. And uh, it could have gone either way, and I completely understand. But, uh, Mike, you're doing phenomenal. Enjoy your show on Saturday night. And uh, have a heck of a morning, brother. Thank you, sir. So I'll address the the Chandler Poirier thing. I, I think a lot of people kind of feel the same way about that. They wanted five rounds, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter because I don't think this thing's going to the cards anyways. I think these two are just going to get in there and beat the shit out of each other, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I don't think it's going to need the cards. So, and again, it was the timing of it all because I know Poirier wanted to fight at MSG. Chandler was maybe looking for December and had they booked that in December, that would probably be a five rounder because all we have is, and this is not a bad thing. We have Yuri Prohaska versus Glover Teixeira. 
in the main event. But if you add that as like the second five rounder, that would have been pretty sick. But this card's loaded enough. I'll take 15 minutes of these guys and potentially I don't think we're going to get that far. But I think that's that's the big thing. I think that's the big thing. And the main event, a, a lot of a lot of a lot of chatter. Hey, look at if you're looking at this from a betting perspective, I think all the value from that sense is on Pereira at plus 170. And if you're going to look at it even further, like if Pereira is going to win, he's not going to win a decision. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I'd be if it did, I'd be completely stunned. So if you're going to bet Pereira, I think all the value in this fight is on him from a betting perspective. And Adesanya by decision is plus money. So if you're going to bet Adesanya, maybe that's a way to do it. But Pereira by KO, TKO is plus 275. So if you think Pereira is going to win, you probably should look at that and get the extra juice. But man, and then Surukian Gamrot is just the best. It's my favorite fight of the year. It won't win fight of the year, but it's my favorite fight of the year. All right, Pella, do we have you? Double P. Do Can we you have me? Yes, I have you. What's okay. Um, I'd say my prediction. Um, I think Easy is gonna win by knockout, round four or round five, because I I don't think Pereira is gonna keep up. I don't think he's gonna keep up. I think he's gonna gas out and. Is is gonna either knock him out or is is gonna submit him. Um, then Chandler versus Puryear. I think Puryear is gonna crack Chandler's chin for sure. I think Puryear is gonna knock out Chandler. That's what I got. Thanks, man. Hey, listen, that could happen. Again, if we're looking at it from from an odds and a value standpoint, I think. Chandler's I think all the values on Michael Chandler here plus 180 that's a I think this is a 50 50 fight like I think this is a 50 50 fight I have lots of questions about both of these guys just where they're at currently in their careers like how good are they really and they're both great fighters but this is a division where it's just the same names up there over and over again and we have these young bucks coming up and these two guys are just kind of mainstays in this division. So I, I feel like this this fight is way closer than the betting odds suggest. But yeah, I think all the values on Michael Chandler from a betting perspective, just because I think this fight's way closer than than the lines indicate. But it's gonna be a banger. It's gonna be a good one. Let's go to Lashana. Hi, Mike. Um How are you? Okay, I have a prediction, a comment, and a question. I'll keep it short. My prediction, um, Carla is bold prediction. Carla Esparza is going to walk out of there on her own two feet. Maybe she'll win. She'll probably get deaded. But I think she will walk out of the cage of her own volition. Um, comment. I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm glad that Chandler Poirier is only three rounds, to be honest. I think these guys... Um, just have been in absolute wars just getting battered and battering other people for a while now and what you were saying before about like i mean should they even really like based on meritocracy be fighting each other right now like probably not it would be cool to see them fight other um younger up-and-coming guys but while we have this fight and while they're both 
not crippled. It'll be cool to see. Um, it'll be cool to see them just get after it for only three rounds. Question. I also have been hearing a lot of like Pereira and just anti-Izzy talk. Do you think that even if Izzy wins in a boring point fighter e-way, people still have to give him respect for this one just because Pereira is so dangerous and has beaten him before and I mean just compared to his past challengers I think this is the one people are excited for so I don't know if, if he wins like does it matter the style within which in he wins for him to you know make a lot of noise after this card I'm not sure what do you think all right thank you so much um listen I think you should get the respect anyways here's the thing if you're gonna if you're gonna play into what you do best, you have to take it. Jared, everyone expected Jared Cannonier, like everybody who broke the fight down, Jared himself, Adesanya himself heading into that Cannonier fight, all said the same thing. Cannonier needs to go forward, he's gotta take risks, and he's gotta go after Adesanya. Because if not, what's gonna happen is Adesanya's just gonna be at range, he's gonna pick him apart for 25 minutes. And guess what happened? Cannonier fought him at range, and Adesanya was probably thinking to himself, like, um, really? Like, you're, you're just going to let me do what I do best? Okay. What's he supposed to do? You know what I mean? Like, everyone dogging Adesanya. Like, and look, if you bought tickets and spent a bunch of money on the fight and you felt disappointed or whatever, you expected more of a barn burner, I get it. But at the same token, like, it is so hard to continuously defend your title over and over again. And if someone's just going to give it to you the way that Cannonier sort of did, what's he supposed to do? You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like – I feel like Cannonier deserved the lion's share of the blame for that fight more than Adesanya. Because Adesanya's not – he's the champ. Like, why is he going to take all that ex extra risk when he doesn't have to just to make fights exciting? I understand this is an entertainment thing, but it's up to, it's up to the challenger to go take the title. And if you don't try to take it, then Adesanya is just going to stand there and just whoop you from the outside. He's just got to outpoint you. And he dominated that fight. That fight was not close. It was not competitive at all. There are moments down the stretch where Cannonier may have landed a couple of shots, but this is, this is the Adesanya show. And it could happen here. I just don't expect it to. I expect Pereira to go and try to take this one. I expect him to be more aggressive. I expect him to go after it a little bit more. But what if he doesn't? And if Adesanya, like, if that's what happens and, and Pereira wants to have a range kickboxing fight with Israel Adesanya, despite the pedigrees of both guys, Adesanya will gladly take that. They'll be like, okay, this is, this is what we've been hyping up the whole time? You're just going to hand me a title defense? I'm not saying that Pereira is still not dangerous, but I don't, if that's what's going to happen, then Adesanya is going to fight that way. So I, I think this is... I think this is a different fight. I, I think in the for the last caller saying that Adesanya by knockout, I think that's in play here. I think that's in play. Because there's going to be a point in this fight where if we go to the championship rounds, if Adesanya is up 3-0, we know that Pereira is going to get a little bit desperate. And that plays into Adesanya's hands. He's a great counter striker. He wants you to be aggressive towards him. If you're not going to be, he'll just He'll just shut you out from the outside. But eventually, desperation leads to mistakes. 
So I think I think an Adesanya finish is definitely in play. But again, these are all the vast questions I have when it comes to this fight. There's just so many of them. There's so many parallels, so much in play. That's I, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We'll keep this train going. A lot of people in line. Viking, hello. I just want, I just want to give my predictions. Israel Arisania by decision. Uh, Blanchfield is going to smoke Molly McCann because she's a stupid fighter. That's it, and I just want to know about who's going to be on the BTL panel tonight. Thank you, Mike. All right. Uh, Blanchfield McCann is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Molly is. I think Molly has earned the spot. I think. I think. I think this matchmaking. This might be. I mean, the main event's obviously brilliant matchmaking. But in terms of like non-title fight matchmaking, this is the best matched fight on the card, in my opinion, because this is perfect. It's a win-win for the UFC. Because if Molly wins, you continue to ride this wave. Molly be- Molly, if Molly beats Erin Blanchfield, if she goes out there and finishes her at MSG, I don't think she's fighter of the year, but she's going to be in my top five. I'll tell you that right now. She goes out there with three finishes, having not finished the UFC fight or getting a TKO or anything like that. To go out there and get three finishes and then beating Aaron Blanchfield, that's massive. Like, I understand that Luana Carolina and Hannah Goldie are not world beaters, but now you're giving her Aaron Blanchfield. It's a hometown fight for Blanchfield. Everyone's super high on her. If she beats Aaron Blanchfield, that's massive, and you've got something to build upon. You could shoot her through the ranks. And it's going to be one of those situations where it's just like, hey, Molly's on fire. Do we just throw her right in with Valentina? Like, she jumps up big time if she beats Aaron Blanchfield. That's the win that takes her over the hump. And if Blanchfield wins, that's a name that has a lot of rub on it right now. You get a win over Molly McCann, it means something in 2022. It means a lot. And it could be a star-making moment for Aaron Blanchfield. So I love the matchmaking. There is... Nothing to lose here if you're for, if you're looking at it from a UFC business perspective. BTL, Jed Mishu versus Ben Duffy from SureDog today. Should be a lot of fun. A lot of people wanted to see that the first time. 
one of the more underrated matchups we've had on BTL, and they're going to run it back again today. So I'm excited for that. 1 p.m. Eastern. Stay tuned. All UFC 281 chatter, by the way. That's the whole show is 281 chatter. Mikey. Morning, guys. How's everybody doing? Man, just a couple more sleeps, right? Um, I just want to make a couple of observations. Uh, It's so funny how Israel Adesanya's career is being paralleled to Anderson Silva, uh, how we've been always talking about that stuff for years because the parallel is creeping up again because this fight with Pereira just feels like when Anderson fought Vitor Belfort. Remember when Anderson was coming off about a couple of bad title defenses, quote-unquote, lackluster title defenses, and everyone's like, well, somebody has to fight him that wants to try and fight him, and then here comes Vitor, and we know what happened with that. And um, also, even though I'm picking easy to win, I just think the experience will, you know, people forget this is still Pajara's only, what, like ninth or 10th MMA fight. Uh, I will say this, though. I'm not going to lie. If Pajara wins... And then his and then Glover loses to Yuri. Good lord, I would love to see him fight Yuri Prohaska. Wouldn't that be fun? Also, um, I, I'm leaning Wei Lee against Carla, but I have to say, man, the disrespect for Carla is just. I mean, I get it if you're a fan of Wei Lee. I'm a fan of Wei Lee too, but it's like everyone just keeps dismissing how good Carla was and how she helped build that division. You know what I mean? And um. As you mentioned with Molly McCann, listen, if she impressively finishes Aaron Blanchfield, it's going to be hard to deny her a title shot. Don't give me all this. That, that That's enough merit, man. Like, listen, you don't want to hog, hogtie that division by having contenders fighting each other. Build new blood out. Valentina's getting older. Get her bodies, you know? So that'll be all. Be kind of one another, guys. Thanks. So I, I respect your take. I disagree with it to just give Molly a title shot. Because again, I mean, Blanchfield's Blanchfield is super young. She's green. She's got a her ceiling is super high, but beating Luana Carolina, Hannah Goldie, and Aaron Blanchfield, it's a good year, but it's not title shot worthy. And she's got fresh faces right now. She's got Manon. She's got Alexa Grasso. She's got two right there for her, and then we still got some of these other fighters on the way up as well. The Macy Barbers, the Casey O'Neills, when she's ready to come back. Like the next, I think like the next nine months to a year are going to be a little slow for Valentina. That's why I think let's just do the Amanda Nunes fight now. And then if she wins, you know, do whatever. And if she loses, then goes back to 125 and hopefully the division will sort itself up. Molly's in the mix. That's for sure. Molly probably gets herself a massive fight. Somebody in with a name, somebody in the top 10. And if she wins, then. She's close. She's close. I think we need more than just a Blanchfield win, but she's definitely in the conversation. That, that's There's no doubt about that. The Carla thing is interesting. So if you listen to No Bets Bard, and we'll probably talk about it more, uh, Jed Bashu is doing something that not a lot of gamblers are very wise to do. He's going all in on Zhang Wei Li. He's going all in on him. He's that confident in her. He went all in on Valentina Shevchenko against Tyler Santos. He had to sweat that one out a little bit, but he is very confident that John Whaley is going to beat Carlos Barza. I think, I think Carlos Barza, her career is vastly underrated. I think she is a first ballot Hall of Famer, probably being a, coming back and winning the title. And you can knock the resume on the way back to that second title. 
winning that second belt, the all the split decisions, all of that. But you know what? She went up. She got those wins officially. She got to the Rose fight. Not a lot of people gave her a chance to win that fight. Are, is it a fight we're going to remember? Are we going to go back and watch that one repeatedly? Absolutely not. But she won. And she got the title. And she get, did it for the second time. This fight is just a brutal stylistic matchup for her. It's just brutal. And I could be wrong. I just, and I'm not knocking Carla as a fighter. I just feel stylistically, this is a nightmare. I think Zhang is just bigger, stronger, more physical, better athlete. And when that combination of fighter fights Carla Sparza, it doesn't, go very well for her. Ioana Janjacek, Tatiana Suarez. And I feel like Zhang could do the same. Now, if Carla beats Zhang Weili, she's the fighter of the year. She's the female fighter of the year unequivocally. She won the belt against Rose. Not a memorable fight. But if she goes out there and beats Zhang Weili, no one's giving her a chance to do so. She's getting booed. She was getting mercifully booed at the press conference. That's insane. I don't know. This is, it's nuts. It's Aljo heat. And Carla hasn't really like done anything to really deserve it. She's taking this fight. I don't understand. There is a lot of disrespect here for her overall resume. I don't think this fight goes very well for her, but I could be wrong. I take nothing away from what she has done in her career. I only say this not as a demerit to what Esparza has done, but just what Zhang Wei Li has done and how good she is. That Ioana fight opened up my eyes. I actually thought the second Rose fight opened up my eyes a lot too because she got deaded in their first fight. And I've, I haven't gone back and watched it a second time, but watching it live, I scored the second fight for Zhang. I know the takedowns are a little scary and people will bring up those takedowns and when I talk about this fight, they'll say, well, hey, listen, when Zhang fought Rose the second time, Rose used her wrestling and won those last two rounds and won the fifth and sealed off the fight. Yeah, I get that. But Zhang wasn't expecting that. She's expecting Carla to wrestle her. Now, if Carla is throwing a bunch of spinning stuff at her and is like uber aggressive, that will be interesting to see. But I don't know, man. I could be wrong. What a crazy story would be if Carlos Barza beat Zhang Wei Li. MSG has been home to many of upsets. We'll see what happens. But I just feel like stylistically, this is just a really tough fight for her. Let's go to Milo. Gustavo's on deck. We're going to try to get to everybody. Milo, what's hey, up? Uh, what, what's up, uh, Mike? Heck of a morning to you. Yeah, uh, you know, a couple of thoughts again. I'll, I'll reiterate maybe the point that I made like last time. I think Alex uh, Pereira versus Easy is going to go to a majority draw. We're going to have one judge scoring it for Alex, another calling it for Easy, and then they're going to be uh, a draw by the third judge. So we're probably going to have to see a rematch for the fourth time, um, which I think will be interesting. Um, as far as Molly McCann, uh, I think Molly, Molly McCann... Uh, is probably going to be deliver the uh, upset of the evening, and for her to get to the title shot, I mean, if if I'm an you know an, a UFC matchmaker, I would probably want to see her fight somebody like Jessica Andrash. 
And then if she beats Jessica Andrade, uh, then she can uh, contest uh, Valentina for a title. And this, I think the biggest uh, thing that maybe people are sleeping on, uh, maybe betting community, is... Um, uh, what's his name? Oh, my God. Uh, is Dan Hooker's uh, submission game. Dan Hooker actually has seven submissions to his credit. And I think he will look to make a point that he is better than Claudio Puelles uh, everywhere. So I see some kind of a submission happening. Uh, currently, Dan Hooker is by submission is uh, 16 to 1, which I think is uh, crazy odds. So it will probably going to take care of him in the standing department. And then um, after Claudio falls on the ground, he'll probably uh, going to submit him. Yeah, that's all I have to say. You know, a couple of maybe bold predictions. But uh, yeah, let's see what happens. Take care. Thanks, man. Yeah, hey. I think Dan Hook, this is a good fight for Dan Hooker. I think it's a good stylistic matchup for him. Claudio is a sneaky son of a gun, though. And Dan has those long legs. And you cannot be messing around down there with, with Claudio. I know Dan Dan has submission wins. But you don't want to mess around down there if you don't have to. <laughs> Dan wants to keep this thing standing. That's for sure. That's where his, that's where his biggest advantage is. And you know, maybe Dan has a point to prove, but I don't hate that idea, like a club and sub, but this isn't going to be like a, I doubt it would be like a work for a submission type thing. You have to hope that he just drops Claudio and submits him and takes that route. But Claudio's sneaky, man. Super sneaky. It's a good fight. I like the matchmaking there. We'll see if Claudio's the real deal and we'll go from there. I just, like, I understand where you're at with Molly, but they are going to keep her. If Molly McCann goes out there and beats Aaron Blanchfield and like it beats her convincingly, goes out there and finishes her, they're going to keep her far away from Jessica Andrade. No way. But there's a perfect fight for her. You throw her in there with the Chuke. Throw her in there at Chukagian. I think she could beat Caitlin Chukagian. Chukagian's a tough out, but it's it's a less risky fight. It's a less risky fight than Andrade. Because, I, I mean, Andrade might be the best women's fighter on the planet right now. We'd, like, we just don't know because she bounces around so much, and it's just crazy. And that Amanda Lamos submission just aged incredibly well, did it not? So, yeah, I would, I would keep her away from Andrade for sure. I would throw her in there with someone else who fought Valentina but is less dangerous in that sense. Because I think Andrade is a horrible matchup for her. But I think Chukagian would give her openings in order to beat her. I think Manon Fioro fought a great fight. I think she could take a lot away from that. So, yeah. Molly's in the mix if she wins this fight. They're going to fast track her. They're not just going to give her the title shot. They're going to give her – I mean, she might only need one more after that. Honestly. They're going to build on this, and they're going to try to get her there as quickly as possible if she beats Aaron Blanchfield. It's a tough – it's a tough ask, but I think she needs to get it done early because Erin's eventually going to get her sea legs under her, and then it could be a rough night for Molly. But it's a great fight. Like I said, stupendous matchmaking. Gustavo, hello. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Good. How are doing you? Good. Um, I just wanted to say I feel like a lot of people are undermining the fact that this is Adesanya's one time uh, defending his belt at 185 that – he doesn't have the reach advantage, so there's a good chance of the little kick and jab 
keep your range technique might not actually work. Because if you go look at all the other fights where he's knocked people out, you got Costa, you got Whitaker, you got uh, Kevin didn't finish, but was very close. All those guys had lesser reach than Izzy. So he was able to keep that distance very well. Same with uh Cannoneer. So is, is he really going to be able to do that with a guy that's bigger than him has the same reach is in the guy looks like he's made of wood. I, I mean, and Pereira hits hard, man, 25 minutes, one punch. I'm willing to bank on Pereira knocking out on hopefully early first or second, possibly third. Uh, that's just it. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Thanks, man. I, I mean, I get it, but we've seen these guys fight at range in two kickboxing matches, right? Like I and listen, I understand kickboxing is not MMA. Maybe Adesanya mixes in a takedown. Who knows? Maybe Pereira mixes in a takedown to, to try to mix things up a little bit. But we've seen them fight twice in kickboxing. First fight was super close. Could have gone either way. I actually scored it for Adesanya, but it was a really close fight. And the second fight, Adesanya was was beating him. Like he was winning the fight until he got caught. So he could fight it. The reach is one thing, but using it is another. And Adesanya is a master at using that range against anybody. Even if he fights a guy that's like has a longer reach than him, Adesanya is so smooth getting in and out, being defensively sound, using that to his advantage. But go back and watch that second kickboxing fight. Like I know he gets he gets deaded in the fight, but Adesanya looked pretty damn good up until that point. He was winning the fight and using the range well. So yeah. I mean, like I said, if you're going to bet on Alex Pereira, I don't blame you. I think all the value from a betting perspective is on him. And if you're going to bet him, you might as well just go for the KO prop because you're going to get a little more a little more juice on there. Juice is worth the squeeze. So rather than get, what is it at, plus 170, plus 175, you get plus 275. Get that extra 100 points of juice. Go get that extra 100 points. But just so many questions. So many questions. Anthony, hello. Yo, yo, yo. Hello. Yo. How's it going, bro? Yo, Good. so uh, last night I'm watching the press conference, right? And then there's tons of stupid-ass, annoying questions. But I wanted to ask you, what was your most memorable or favorite question you asked at, a, at one of those? And also my bold prediction, there's only one right bold prediction and it's Male, 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 Male. Bro, Molly McCann dominates that girl. She's 23, fighting in her hometown. I think that plays way against her. She was getting pieced up in her last fight. Molly dominates her, maybe gets a late finish. And uh, that's all. Have a heck of a morning. Thanks, man. Most memorable questions I've asked at press conferences. So I will admit, I did not watch the press conference yesterday. Those things are just tedious, man. Like, it's, it's one thing being in the building. There's, like, a whole different feel to it because you get the crowd ambiance and they're into it. And it's just different than watching it on watching it on YouTube or watching it on TV or whatever. And I remember, like, one in particular, then I'll get to your question. The Colby Covington Mazadal one, like, watching that from a computer screen was awful. Like, it was so bad. I'm just thinking that, like, this is the worst press conference ever. And then Jose was like, who was there was like, no, it was actually great. Cause like he was there and the fans are all into it and they were going crazy in, in Las Vegas. And like, it's just a different vibe. 
I will say this about those pressers. Like I said, they're tedious. And I'll say this to aspiring media members as well. And this goes not just for press conferences like that, but scrums and everything. Just because you're there does not mean you have to ask a question. If somebody's already asked your question, that you don't need to go in there and ask it a second time or a third time. That drives me bananas. It drives me insane. So as far as those go, I've only been part of two of those like live with the crowd pressers, 273 and then 276. So here's, here's how we kind of play it out as like a group of media members because we know things are going to get wild and wacky. So there's like a bunch of us that will like get together. So for Jacksonville and Vegas, it was this is how it worked. It was like Morgan, John Morgan, Jose, Oscar Willis, and myself, maybe like Mike Bond gets sprinkled in. We get together and we come up with a plan. And we're going to say, hey, we're going to ask these two questions. Like John will usually go to the main event. And then like the next person will go to the co-main event. And then like the next person will go to this. So 273, Morgan got the main event. And then I got, I think Oscar maybe got the Hamzat Gilbert Burns fight. And then I got Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan. So I focused on them. Aljo came out with all the props. I asked him about the props and the, rule book for dummies. Piotr was getting a big applause. So I think I set the table nice for both of those guys. And then for Vegas, I got the Sean Strickland, Alex Pereira fight. So Sean, it was his first big press conference. So I asked him like how he was feeling about it. Does he feel a little bit looser? And then if you watch UFC countdown for this card, you you'll actually hear my question uh, to Alex Pereira because they're both up there. And I said, Alex, Obviously, this is the UFC's plan. You guys both have to win on Saturday. What do you want to say to Israel as he gets ready to fight? And Adesanya, I mean, Pereira gives his answer. Like, I have to focus on myself, but I'm rooting for Izzy so that we can fight. So it's, it's just a matter of, like, context. Like, it's nice being, I guess, kind of trusted in that spot to just not go all rogue and wild cardy. Like, we have a plan. Let's stick with it. Let's get the meat and potatoes out of the way. And then we know things are going to go off the rails down the stretch, but at least we got our stuff in. We laid the, we laid the, the, the groundwork, the foundation for the presser, but man, some of those, some of those questions are tough. It's, it's just tough. I will say Jacksonville was much easier because there's far less people at that press conference, Vegas, man. And I like, I get in a zone when I have a microphone in my hand, so I don't even notice it, but someone like sent me the clip of like, me asking a question and the people around me are just jumping up and down. They're screaming. They're trying to make faces at the camera. And like, I didn't even notice it. And I'm glad I didn't. Cause I would have been like, what the hell is happening right now? But yeah, those are tough, man. Those are, those are tough. Uh, let's go to Tom. Apparently a, uh, a fellow new Englander. Tom, are you there? Hey, how you doing, Mike? What's up, man? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. Uh, just straight into the bold pick. I mean, I am, I'm probably going to get some hate for this because it seems like everyone's kind of one-sided on it. But, man, I'm actually going with Michael Chandler this weekend. I think uh, I think he gets it done. I think we've seen those who have watched him throughout the Bellator days. 
kind of he hasn't showed it in the UFC, but I think he's going to lean heavy on his wrestling in this fight. I mean, I think he realizes how much is at stake on, at this fight. The Justin Gaethje fight, he knew even if he won, he wasn't getting another shot. He had just lost Oliveira. If he lost, he was still going to fight someone in the top five. So he was able to go put on that performance. I mean, I think he realizes if he wins this fight, he's going to be very close to another title shot. And a lot of people will call for him versus Mahashev if he puts on a good wrestling performance. And then he also sets him up for the money fight in McGregor, which would set him up financially for the rest of his life. So I think he realizes kind of how much is at stake this weekend. And I think he's going to lean pretty heavy on the wrestling. I think he'll, he, I don't know if I don't see him getting a TKO from ground and pound. I'm going probably by decision. And I think there is a chance Dustin could clip him, something like that, in the first and the fight. But, man, I'm going Michael Chandler. Decision mainly due to wrestling this weekend. That's that's kind of my bold pick. Thanks, man. Yeah, like I said, if, if you're looking at this fight from a betting perspective, all the values on Michael Chandler, it's all there. Plus 180 for a fight that I feel, and I think, I, I think most people would feel, honestly, at this point in both of their careers – this is closer to a 50-50 fight. So if someone's like, Mike, here's 20 bucks. You have to bet on one of these underdogs. I'm betting on Michael Chandler because it's there. It's just the value's right there. And he can wrestle. If I'm Chandler, I'm getting a takedown right off the bat. And maybe that's not my game plan the entire time. But just take him down and be like, all right, Dustin, get back up. Give him something to think about. I don't know if we're going to get – maybe, I don't know. But who knows? Chandler gets in there. Feels that crowd. Maybe he just wants to get into a car crash. It's very possible. But the fight's going to be great. I can't wait for it. But I, I'm, I have no issues with your prediction at all. Jordan, hello. Mike, how are we doing? We're doing great. Good. How are you? I want to reach out because I know that everybody's been talking about Molly McKinney getting a title shot. After this win, I think she's guaranteed a fight night main event almost. She's so electric and her fans just love her. That being said, I know we talked about the Pajeda moving up to 205 earlier and fighting Yuri. I thought the exact same thing. His frame, 205 frame, and his striking could be unreal. We haven't gotten to see the grappling yet, but I think it could be absolutely incredible. Thanks, man. I don't, like, look, do I want to see that fight someday? Of course I do. Do I want to see Pereira win the belt and then go up to 205? No. Like, we're seeing it right now. There's, there's contenders at 185. Like, this is a whole new division. This is a whole new division. And we have, like, fights in place. Like, if Robert Whitaker beats Paulo Costa, like, his – I mean, he's going to go – if he beats Izzy, they're just going to do it again. Because it's just ma- – it becomes a massive rematch. Like, Adesanya's 0-3 against this guy. They're absolutely going right back to that well. But here's something to kind of counter with. If Israel Adesanya beats Alex Pereira, there is a much more realistic world that we see Adesanya versus Prohashka. Because that fight is friggin' fun, too. Because what else is there for Adesanya 185? He's already talked about it. His team's already talked about it. We're going up. At some point, we're going up. And it's not to be a two-division champion. It's not to be that guy that we're going to bounce back and forth. 
he's eventually going to move up to 205 and he's going to be a 205er. Him versus freaking Yuri is sick too. Like, that's fun. Not now, but if Adesanya is like, you know what? I'm done with this division. I'm moving up. Give me nine months to bulk up. Then I'm, I'm ready to go. That fight's great too. That's a huge fight for the UFC. So I think we have a better chance of seeing that one just because I, I honestly think, and I could be wrong, I don't know. I think if Izzy wins this fight, he's done at 185 because he's got nothing left to do. What's he going to do? If, fight Sean Strickland? If Sean beats Cannoneer? I mean, I know we got guys coming up, but it's going to take forever to get Andre Muniz up there and Jerkis Duplessis up there. I mean, maybe if, like if Darren Till just destroys DDP, maybe, but even that's like super risky. It looks like Shamayev's going to be a 170, so like that's kind of off the table right now. So, I mean, I, I don't know. This could be this could be it for Adesanya 185. And if he makes the move up, I wouldn't blame him at all. Like what else? He's mentioned it many times. I've already lapped this division. I've already lapped it. He's already beat everybody. He's beat Vittori twice, beat Whitaker twice. Beat Cannoneer. He's beating everybody. There's guys coming up, but he's the only guy he hasn't beaten is Strickland. Strickland just got knocked out by Pereira. So is that really? I mean, don't get me wrong. 276 was huge for that division because it set that it set up Adesanya either way. In such a big way. That's why there's so much attention on that fight. Because even if Strickland had won and Strickland was getting this fight right now, that'd be a massive fight too. But now that he lost, I think a lot of the shine's off that. So, do I want to see Pereira Prahashka someday? Of course I would. Do I want to see Pereira win the belt and be like, screw 185, I'm fighting you, Yuri? No, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. Abzualia, hello. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. Good. So, um, I have Three questions. I'll make it very quick. The first one is uh, regarding Adesanya versus uh, Alex Pereira. Um, I personally see this fight going either way. It depends on how it plays out because on one hand, Adesanya's confidence, but at the same time, his demeanor is quite interesting how he's handling it. And if he fights with aggression and a very unique fight, so I think he can win. But on the other hand, Pereira has that mental toughness and the mind games he's playing. If Alex wins, in my opinion, I reckon he probably could at least defend the belt one or two times, or he might take the chance to move up to 205, because realistically, that is more of his weight class. If Adesanya wins, uh, I reckon he might fight Whitaker one more time before he makes a move up. Um, I don't think we'll ever see him fight Hamza realistically, and probably um, Imamov because, you know, right now, seeing the situation, it's not going to work. Um, as for the other two questions, I'll make this quick. Um, how do you see the Wang Jaili fight um, playing out? And do you reckon um, the the guy Darren Hooker is fighting, if he wins against um, Dan Hooker, um, what's his potential on the lightweight? Thanks, man. Uh, I mean, if Claudio Plays wins, he's, I mean, it's a big win. It's probably like right around where Grant Dawson's at right now. 
I would say. Maybe just outside of the top 15. It's a good win. Dan Hooker's a name. So that'd be a great win for Claudio Playas. Zhang, I, I, I don't know. I think Zhang could definitely finish Carla. And I think she will. I'll say like a third round TKO. She's just such a beast. I, I just don't know. Like Carla's just had such a tough time with like big, strong, athletic fighters. She just hasn't done well against them. If she can out-athlete somebody, she usually wins. But when she is not the most athletic female in the fight, it doesn't really go well. And I know Rose was, was a little bit different because I feel like Rose is probably the more plus athlete there. But Rose just, Rose just didn't fight. Her game plan was awful. It was not good. I don't think Zhang's going to fight like that. I'll tell you that right now. The one, like, the one advantage Carla has is offensive wrestling. But it's not even, because it's MMA, I don't think it's that big of an advantage, honestly. Because Zhang's would be ready for it. And Zhang's a really good wrestler, too. She's a really good defensive wrestler. And even if Carla gets her down, I don't think she's going to be able to keep her down. She's so much bigger and stronger. I, I just don't see this fight going well for her. And again, this is not me dumping on Carla. Because I feel like the disrespect she's getting overall is just not warranted. And I don't mean like disrespect people picking against her, but it's just people not giving her credit, winning this, second, winning this title for the second time, dumping on the resume. Just People just don't like her. I, I don't get that. I mean, she didn't have to. She could have just said, no, nah, I'm not fighting Zhang. I'll fight Marina Rodriguez. And she took the fight. I mean, she's, it's, it is what it is. She's, it's just a bad match. It's just a horrible stylistic matchup for her. It's really terrible. And before I get to you, Jay Money, the other thing about if Pereira moves up to 205, here's the only way I will accept this. If Pereira just wins the belts and says, you know what? I'm dropping it. I did what I needed to do. I shut this man up forever. 185 is too much for me. I'm moving up to 205. I'm cool with that. Just don't be the champion when you go up and do it. Don't need it. Jay Money, you're up. What's up, buddy? Jay Money, you're there. All right, try again, my man. Four Corner Sports. Hey, Mike. Um, heck of a morning. Um, you too. So I wanted to talk about, I think a caller had said something along the lines of this is the, one of the few times that Adesanya doesn't have the reach advantage. I did think about it. And if he's going to go up, right, then I don't like his style. I don't like his um, his chances, you know, against like heavyweights. Because I do feel that Adesanya will win. He might you know, get like a two nothing lead, you know, after the second round. And then uh Pereira's gonna have to, you know, try to find openings. The only problem is I think that twenty five minutes, that left hand, you know, Pereira could drop him and stuff like that. I think another factor is for kickboxing, how what was the, the size of the gloves that they were wearing? Twelve ounces or something along that nature? I don't really know exactly, but I know USC uses four ounce gloves. You know, that means that Pereira's gonna hit harder. 
um, it's possible. But I do I do predict Adesanya winning. My own my only thing is if Adesanya was to um, move up right after this fight, no, you don't got to give up your your Otno pick. But you know, like who within the top five would you like favor him against? And then also, um, Frankie Edgar versus uh, Chris Gutierrez. Now that's a fight that I'm looking forward to. I think Frank Frankie Edgar is is a pure legend. Um, it's just unfortunate. Just say I think Chris Gutierrez is going to just take him out. Um, you know, with, with leg kicks, and he's gonna you know put him out. But yeah, that's just what I'm predicting as of, as of right now. All right, thanks, Mike. Have a good one. Thanks, man. Um, let me just pull up the UFC rankings real quick. Try to answer your other question. Now, again, this is not just him being like willy nilly. Let's go fight at 205. I think he beats Anthony Smith. He could beat Rakic. I think he could beat Blahovich. I mean, we saw it, but I think he could beat Blahovich. He was just so undersized in that fight. And he could probably be close. Like, I think he'd do I, I think he'd do okay against a lot of those guys. Ankoliath would be kind of a nightmare for him, I think. But and Yuri would be a tough one. But I think he'd hang with a lot of those guys in the top five. But again, it's not going to be something. He's not going to be like a two under. He's not going to just roll out of bed and hit the scale. Like he's got to put on. He needs to take time, like not fight for a while and just focus on putting on some size before he makes this move. If he's going to do it, and he's just got to do it. Be like, I'm not the middleweight champion anymore. I'm done. So I'm a two o fiver. I'll see you next year. That's what I think. Just to answer that question. Uh, Alex, hello. Hey, guys. So, I've got a question for you guys. Um, why is everyone sleeping on the Moicano fight? I think this is the I think this is the sleeper fight of the whole card, personally. Like, don't get me wrong. You've got some of the biggest fights on the year on this card. No one can really predict the big, the, you know, the main, you know, the the main event and the. Uh, and the Dustin and Michael Chandler fight, right? Really, um, personally, I think uh, I think Izzy gets it done. I think Izzy gets it done because, despite the fact that, uh, despite the fact that, in the past, um, you know, their, their fights were were kickboxing fights. Like we say, right? This is MMA; it's different. But even though we all expect them to stand there and punch and kick, we don't really expect this fight to go to the ground. Just the fact that. Just that you're going to be in an in a MMA stance, right? That it means you can't throw the same kicks and punches in the exact same way, right? You're, you know, so it's, it's very different. You can't open your body up as much as you would in a kickboxing fight, which I think, you know, will end up giving the, the advantage to Adesanya because, well, you know, more than anything else, it's experience, isn't it? There's a reason why he's the champ. There's a reason why he's gone six or seven, you know, defences, right? Um... So yeah, I think he gets it done. You know, honestly, Poirier and uh, and Chandler, I think that's a that's a coin flip. And um, obviously, being a Brit, I'm hoping and praying that Molly that Molly McCann gets it done as well. Um, but really, I think everyone's sleeping on this Moicano fight. I think it's going to be a banger. But yeah, just would uh, would love to know what you guys think. Cheers. Completely agree. That's why it's in the spot. Like it's not. The UFC certainly isn't undervaluing it because it's giving him the primo spot. 
if you ain't on the main card, the place you want to be is in that featured prelim spot. And there's a reason why that fight's in the featured prelim spot. Because it's a banger. It's going to be great. It's going to get more people to buy the pay-per-view. I think Riddell's going to do well in that fight. I think Riddell's going to do well in that fight. should be a lot of fun. All right, Jay Money. Then we'll go to Paradise. Then a hid. We'll try to get to everybody. Jay Money, hello. Hey, Mike. How you doing today? Good, you? Good. So um, I had, a, like, two questions on matchups. So for the Poirier Chandler fight, I was thinking for Poirier, if he wins, what do you think his next fight could be? I was thinking maybe he could fight Oliveira for a rematch and the winner gets a title shot next or something like that. And also for the Puelas-Hooker um, fight, if Puelas wins, could you see him fighting – Patty, maybe in the future, I th- think that'd be a good two young contenders in lightweight division. They would be a good matchup. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Poirier. Probably Benil Dariush. I mean, I'm just going by the trends here. This is what's going to happen. This is probably what's going to happen. Uh, I think Benil's going to have to win one more before he gets Makachev and I don't know, maybe who knows? I I don't, I have no idea. Um, But if they end up going the Makachev Volkanovsky route, then I think you do Darius versus Poirier. I don't think Darius is going to, is going to shed a lot of tears fighting a guy like Dustin Poirier, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. Paradise. Hello. Hey buddy. What's going on, Mike? How are you? Great, pal. Uh, listen, you know, the one thing, you know, we were talking a little earlier about, or you guys were talking a little earlier about, the, you know, Adesanya, this boring, this boring, that. I mean, you're spot on. Look, it's not the best, you know, viewing all the time, but if you're just going to give him the belt and fight the way Cannonier fought, <laughs> he's going to take it. He's not stupid. The guy's IQ is off the charts. I think the biggest issue people have with him is that he overpromises and underdelivers. You know, I'm, this is going to be up. Like, what's he saying this week? It's going to be a horror show. It's going to be this and that. Yeah, well, we'll see. I just think that uh, that Alex, I just think he won't stop coming at him. And it may be at his own peril. He might get knocked out, but I don't think he's going to lay back. I don't think he's going to play that game. And, uh, yeah, Carlos Spars is the most hated woman in female uh, history, apparently. I have no idea why she's like the sweetest person, but she's going to get rolled. <laughs> and then my point of my question and comment is, uh, will this be the first time when Whaley Zhang rolls Carlos Barza, the, the UFC champion will be 0-2 against the person that the, they're defending their belt in against Rose. That's all I got. You guys have a great day. Um, I'll have to look that up. Jose Youngs would probably know the answer to that question, like off the top of his head, because he's a freak like that. Um, yeah, I mean, this this has... This has similar vibes to the Joanna fight because even when Carla won the belt on the Ultimate Fighter, most fans at that time who watched more than just the UFC realized that the winner of that show was not the best strawway in the world. We knew it was either Joanna or Claudia Gedalia. That's who we thought it was. And then she fought Ioana, and we saw what happened. And I feel like if she fought Claudia, the same thing would have happened. She would have probably got stopped by Claudia. This just has similar vibes. Again, not taking anything away from Carla, but the Ioana matchup was a nightmare for her. And this one is too. This one might be worse, if we're being honest. She just, 
I don't understand the hate at all. But just stylistically, it's rough go, man. Like, it's just really rough. Like, Carl might be able to win a round if she could stay on top. Like, if it's late, she can hang in there. But, man, I just don't think this goes well for her. But who knows? Maybe, like I said, MSG has been the home of many of upset. Maybe this is one of them. All right, ahead. Let's go. Ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. Like watching those UFC 281 press conferences, I, I'm just like these press conferences now. I used to be excited, but now it's just like a bit repetitive. Like, I actually like the media days more. Um, and, and the hate that Carla Sparza gets. Like everyone says, it's so unjustified. But it's not just the hate, it's the hypocrisy from MMA fans. Utter scumbags, because they're booing Carla now. But two years ago at UFC 261, they were booing Zhang Weili. Remember, they were going after Zhang, and then Zhang said, oh, it got to me, and uh, everyone clowned her for it. So it's just that MMA fans are true scumbags, and true two-faced scumbags. Um, and like the lightweight thing, I feel like if Chandler wins, they might give him the title shot because he's one of the most marketable human beings there is. And it's an interesting matchup. They might not go Volkanovsky and Markachev. Uh, and also, a big enough of the last time we spoke, this is the last time we talk about Henry and the rest of it. It's just like, Mike, with regards to Henry, like we can't just look at an entertainment perspective. It's a, it, that's box. That's pure boxing. We also the whole point of MMA was the best fight, the best. And that's the point I was trying to make. Like if the fact that I don't like Henry, but like he would whoop all of them, so we might as well see the fact that he'll whoop all of them and it will improve everyone's standards. And um, I saw on social media as well, Jake Paul and the King of Masculinity. Andrew Tate are fighting like as in their last fight, Jake and Silver um, was fixed. You know, I don't and I don't know why MMA outlets like when I was talking about previously with Josh Thompson, like cover more MMA. Like what it doesn't have to be Bellator, one championship, like more MMA and less of like KSI or Jake. Because like as an Ariel's going after people saying it was fixed, but like Ariel's had conflicts of interest. Like Ariel was part of that event. And then it's like with also, for example, Eddie Hearn, you know, like he supports Eddie Hearn, but we know Eddie Hearn's a scumbag because he's trying to cover up the whole Conor Ben, USADA, like not USADA, so WADA uh, drug test failure. So it just makes no sense why this is this cover, um, Jake Paul's being covered. But yeah, that's it. Drop the mic, Mike. Hey, look, if, if, if my career could be based on not covering Jake Paul fights. If people just weren't interested at all, I'd be happy with that. But the problem is everyone's interested in it. <laughs> they just are. I'm sorry to tell you, they just are. And they're interested in all this stupidity with KSI and, and all of it. Like the, the numbers it generates is insane. It's unbelievable. The Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather fight, the numbers that that friggin' stupid fight generated is just, I, I can't even explain it to you. It's just unbelievable.
the Cejudo thing, I'll say this again. From a, from a fan's perspective, from a guy who likes fights, I would love to see Cejudo fight Aljamain Sterling. I would love to see that fight. But you have to understand, looking at this from a UFC lens, and just a fan's lens, too. The retirement was stupid. Everything he's done since has been horrendous. And the problem is, there is no trust with Henry at all. Like, it's the best fight, the best, that's cool. I get it. I, get it. I want to see it, too. I would, I'm fascinated by the matchup. My issue is, Henry is just going to leave. He's going to win the title, and he's going to be like, all right, I'm out. I'm retired again. Or he's going to be like, I'm not fighting anybody unless it's Volkanovski. And then we're just like, oh, God, why did we do this? He's not going to fight anybody else. Like, that's, that's the big thing. And that's why I just want to see him fight somebody else first. Show me you care. Just show me you care. Hold the door open for me. Let me walk through it. Just show me you care. All you got to do is fight once and win. Like I said, fight Cub Swanson. I don't care. Fight Chris Gutierrez. Fight Jonathan Martinez. Fight anybody. Ranked or not, I don't care. Just prove to all of us that you actually want to do this. And then if you win, go fight Aljo. Go fight Volk. I don't care. But that's my whole holdup with the Cejudo thing is that we know what's going to happen. We already know he's going to win. Or if he does win, he's just going to retire again. Or he's going to say, I'm not fighting anybody. Even though there's a slew of contenders ready to fight Henry, he's just going to be like, nah, I'm not fighting anybody. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines until I fight Volkanovsky. And then we're just going to be like, we are so stupid for buying into this crap. Again, why would we do this? But want to know what negates it? He goes and fights somebody else first. And then he goes and fights for the belt. I don't think I'm asking for too much. Like, I honestly don't think I'm asking for too much. The guy screwed up the whole this entire thing. Like, the whole thing. Can you imagine if he just didn't retire? Like, where would he be right now? Where, how would we be viewing Henry Cejudo right now if he didn't retire? Or if he just, like, if he just didn't say retire. If he just said, like, you know what? I demand more respect. And until I get it, I'm just not fighting again. Like, and you didn't retire. Like, that's a different thing. But you left, you got out of the pool, and then you decided to hop back in after you screwed everybody over. Like, you screwed everybody over. The UFC was building you up. You were getting there. And then you just turned your back on. And the UFC is just like, all right, you screwed me. Like, I don't have any faith that you're not going to do it again. And that's why my suggestion is just go fight somebody else. And then you build a little faith back. That's all. That's all I'm asking. I don't think it's I don't think it's too much for me to ask. I really don't. I want to see the fight too, but I just want it to mean something. Crypto, hello. How are you doing? Good. Good, thanks. Uh okay, Mike, bold prediction. Um Carla Esparza, uh, against Zhang Weili. There's gonna be some type of freakish situation where Carla wins. And the bold prediction is, Mike, that uh, Jed Mishu is going to pass out live during the watch party. 
And we're going to see, yeah, we're going to actually be able to see that when Jed sits down, stands up, and passes out. And that, that should be the promo for the watch party. To see a man bet his entire bankroll on, on one fighter. In essence, almost his entire bankroll. And this is the thing, Mike. Jed, Jed got warned the last time. I mean, uh, with Santos and Shevchenko. Because that was a close one. The MMA gods gave him a warning. But I don't know if he's going to get that lucky this time. So uh, that's going to, yeah, that's my bold prediction. Jed Michou passing out. Um, secondly, Mike, so my question, or actually just a reflection, because I'm so tired of seeing people calling uh, Adesanya boring. Because, I mean, let's, let's remember how we treated Sean Strickland against Pajera. Worst strategy ever. What a terrible performance. How the hell could you push forward and try to just stand up and brawl with Pajera. We, like the MMA community, made fun of him. It called him just basically a complete idiot for having that game plan. And tr the, the thing is, Mike, he actually tried to make the fight fun. He actually went in there and said, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to push forward. It's going to basically end up the way it's going to end up. I don't care. I'm going to make this a fun fight. And we completely destroyed him afterwards. We just made fun of him. He became basically a highlight reel. There were memes made. And now we're asking Adesanya to make fights fun. And these are the same people, Mike. This is what's so funny about it. The same people that were basically calling Sean's performance ridiculous are the same people that are now calling for Adesanya to be more fun. I mean, listen, if, if you want to see these stand-up brawls where people just push forward and just knock the shit out of each other, there's a bunch of YouTube channels, like underground <laughs> garages somewhere in the middle of Russia where two people just stand up and just beat each other senseless. Like, if that's your cup of tea, go ahead. But, I mean, how can we blame Adesanya for being careful and for having that type of um, yeah, style of fighting, so to say? And remember, I mean, for those people that have followed Adesanya, uh, prior to him uh, being a part of the UFC, Mike, his kickboxing career, and then um, basically when he was knocked down, knocked out by Pajera, his fighting style changed. I think that is actually what... I think that situation... situation actually caused him to rethink his whole strategy and be more careful, uh, not to push forward uh, and, and put himself at risk in... in in different situations. So I just think it's ridiculous. And until the UFC, Mike, puts on uh, or puts in some type of clause in the contract saying that you get 50 plus 50 and an additional 40% for being fun, then I think it's just stupid to blame Adesanya. He's a true champion. He does the hardest thing in, in MMA over and over and over and over again. So hats off to Adesanya. I just think it's just so funny to see the same people that were talking shit about Sean that are now calling for Adesanya to be more fun. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. And we talked about this a lot today, but I'll say this. Game seven of the NBA Finals. Let's just say it's game seven of the NBA Finals. Okay? And Steph Curry has the ball. It's a tie game. It's like four minutes left in the game. And Steph gets the ball. And everybody on defense is just, they move out of the way. They just move. They're like, all right, do whatever you want, Steph. He's either going to take, he's either going to take the free layup or he's going to take the high percentage shot, which for Steph is a three. 
He ain't going to sit there and do a triple axle over the head, triple somersault backflip dunk. No, he's going to take the freaking layup. He's going to take the wide open J. Like, that's what he's going to do. He's not going to do anything. If he's, he's just going to be like, huh? You're going to give this to me? You're going to give me my best thing? You're just going to allow me to walk into it out of anything I want? Yeah, you take the points, bro. You take the points. Take slam ball. This is MMA. And I think, I think Adesanya expected Candid Air to be more aggressive. Like you come in with a plan, you come in expecting things to go a certain way. And if they just hand you the victory, what are you supposed to do? Say no? I'm not taking it. No, because this isn't fun. No, you take it. And he was hard on himself. He was tough on himself. He even told he said after that fight he was cried in the backstage because he wasn't happy. But listen, it's it's fighting. It's so hard. At the end of the day, you want to go out there and entertain. Of course you do. And you want to back up what you say. But it's about winning, man. It's about winning. And he goes out there and wins, and he wins pretty easily. Well, we'll see what, we'll see what prayer does. Like, we have to, like, we're excited and we have all these questions about this fight. But we have to understand that there is a chance that we see a similar Adesanya fight. Like, that is poss- that is a possibility on Saturday. And I'm still intrigued, even if that's the case. Because that's super impressive to me. If he could, if he could do that for 25 minutes and avoid Alex landing that shot, any kind of a big shot on him, like, he shouldn't be booed. He should be like, he should be like damn, dude. That is incredible that you were able to stand there and do your thing and win rounds and not get knocked out over 25 minutes. Like, I think he deserves a lot of respect that that happens, even if it's not the most aesthetically pleasing fight of all time. I know it's, it's talks about car crash and horror movies and things like that. And that's what you want to do. You want to sell pay-per-views. You're trying to get that money, bro. Like that's what you're trying to do, but you're also there to win. And if they're just going to give it to you, you, get, you just take it. You walk through the goddamn door. That's what you do. All right, we got Max, and Tristan's been waiting the whole time, and then I have to go. Max, hello. Hello, Mike. How's it going? Good. All righty. So uh, I was just wondering about your opinion about this uh, Olberg versus Negamarianu uh, fight. Seems like Olberg is jacked as all hell. Biggest guy probably on the roster, looking like brick. But uh, Negamarianu's been on a really steady roll. Solid wrestler, but uh, yeah. What do you think about that fight? Thanks for your time. Peace. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I have no idea. I have no idea. It should be interesting. I, I feel like my gut is telling me it's too much for Elberg. I'm kind of shocked he's the favorite here, for being honest. Because Nega Mariana is a dog, man. He's a dog. But the thing is, Nega Mariano has made a living on his toughness and his ability to take punishment and continuously coming forward. And if Allberg cracks him, is he going to be able to maintain that? I don't know. This is going to come down. This is going to be one of those fights where, at least to me, this is how I see it. The longer this one goes, the more it favors Nego Mariano. And if this gets finished early, it's coming from Carlos Olberg. Like, I think if we get to the second half of this fight, Nega Mariano is going to win. Probably win it, eke out a decision somehow. But it's a big spot for Carlos. This is, this is a tough fight. Nega Mariano is, ain't the most technical guy in the world, but he's going to put his chin right in front of Olberg's fists. And we'll see if Olberg can take advantage of that.
But it should be – it's a fun opener. It's a fun opener. All right, Tristan, take us home. Hey, Mike. A um, couple of things here. Um, Molly McCann versus Aaron Blanchfield. I did go back and watch the uh, the J.J. Aldridge fight again. Very concerning in that first round because um, J.J. Aldridge was piecing her up. I think utilizing the jab. I kind of expect Molly McCann did watch that last fight in her training and – with her coaches to try to do kind of the same thing what JJ Aldridge did. Um, you know, that's where it gets a little concerning here. Um, I listened to Molly, uh, to Aaron Blanchfield's post fight conference after the JJ Aldridge. Um, she said she didn't really come in with a strategic plan, more like a little bit of more of the details. She knew JJ Aldridge was good, uh, was good as far as her takedown defense and a little bit of a grappling. So, and, you know, I remember after that fight, we were, I mean, I think you were a little bit concerned too with that first round. It was like, oh, this doesn't look good, that first round. But then um, Aaron Blanchfield was able to weather the storm in that second round and then obviously get the uh, the guillotine choke. Um, heading this fight into Molly McCann, I really think, listen, I'm not a coach, but watching the tape and seeing what other fighters have done, two people in case in point, we just saw last week what Grant Dawson did. And then we also saw what Matus Gamrock did is do not play the standing up game. Go to your strengths. One of the things that I do like what Aaron Blanchard does is the one-two combination and then the head kick. Set that up, level change. Single to the single leg. Get her down. Be relentless. Do not give Molly McCann any room. Maybe she'll be ready, but you've got to be relentless here. Grant Dawson just had a perfect game plan in his fight against Marco Madsen, and he didn't stop, didn't let her go, ground and pound, you know, and it was over. That's the mentality I feel that Aaron Blanchard has to go into this fight. Do not play games with this. Don't play games with Molly McCann where you're standing for a very long time. This was my issue that I had with, um, uh, you know, she just she's on injury reserve. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe um, I forgot her name. Oh, Casey O'Neill, I'm sorry. This is my issue with Casey O'Neill when she fought Roxanne Modafferi of not going to her strengths. I understand you want to be entertaining. I understand you want to show pieces of your game, of your striking, but use your striking to get into your strengths, which is your grappling. Do not play games here. You know, I'm really hoping for Aaron Blanchard here. Do what you do best. Use your striking to set up your what you're good at is your grappling. Get the single leg thing down or use what you usually do. Get into the clinch, judo throw, Get on the ground, side control, elbows, ground and pound, submission, end the fight, and we're moving on. So she's got to be real careful here, I think, in my opinion. Um, Mike, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I just remember after that fight against J.J. Aldridge, you were a little bit concerned in that first round, and so was I. So I hope Aaron Blanchfield locks in, goes into her strengths, and then see what happens there. And I think she'll, she'll most likely get the win. Uh, Rook, another thing, my bold prediction, I'm picking Willingham Terman versus, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, he's fighting, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, there we go, Andre Petrovsky. Petrovsky at the press conference, listen, I I don't get annoyed, but with him, it's just, he, he says I'm the best grappler in this division. I'm like, I'm like, come on, Andre, seriously? And then the fact that, oh yeah, he's talking about Bo Nichols saying, that dude turned down a grappling fight with me, bro. Like, listen, I'm like, he's not being realistic here. 
listen, you just got to the UFC. Your gas tank is a question, okay? I think you questioned it, like, yo, the guy was getting tired. So I think sometimes I feel like he's, he's better than what he thinks he is. I don't think he's realistic. But I'm picking turning him, turning him to beat Petrovsky by submissions, turn him as, uh, I believe, uh, turn in his belief as on a two-fight win streak by submission. I think he's coming back to the foe. So that's my bold prediction on that. And then also for the last point here, uh, Mike, I did see that you um, announced that um, Anthony uh, Kassar is making his uh, Icon FC debut, his MMA debut, December 2nd. I'm really interested in this guy here. This guy did beat Gabe um, Stevenson back in 2019 at Penn State against um, Stevenson. So I, I'm really focused on him. I hope he does get to the Dana White Contender Series next year. And then, because his grappling looks incredible, and I think he can make some noise if he does come to the UFC, hopefully next year or a year from now, or whatever the case may be, that he will make some noise in that heavyweight division. Your thoughts on everything, Mike? Have a heck of a morning. Everybody enjoy the fights this weekend. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I mean, that's that's somebody the UFC is going to have their eye on, and it just so happens that fight card is right down the road from where the UFC is going to be the next day. So wouldn't stun me to see some of the UFC brass in the building potentially scouting that one out. Would not surprise me whatsoever. Uh, but that'll be interesting. Obviously, a teammate of Bo Nickel, both on mats and with MMA as well. Um, yeah, the Blanchfield one is interesting. I, my, my biggest concern is... My biggest concern about the fight is not the skill set because I think I think Aaron took a lot away. From, JJ is a good fighter. She's a very solid hand. She is not an easy out for anybody. Um, even like when, even when uh, Macy Barber was on that rise, like JJ gave her fits before she got finished. So JJ's good, man. Like she's good. And I'll say this: if J if JJ fought Molly McCann right now, I don't think she'd be that big of an underdog. She's got a style to beat Molly. So you can make a compelling case that JJ might be a tougher fight for Aaron than, than Molly is. But again, we got to see them fight. My big concern is for a 24-year-old up-and-coming star who has fought for Invicta and fought in the Apex a couple of times. And now you're fighting at home. You're fighting at MSG against someone who has been in these big roles and these big spots before. Like I know she fought on a pay-per-view before. But this is MSG. This is a whole different thing. And she's fighting Molly McCann, who has been in these big spots and been for the big crowds and been part of massive events many, many, many times. And she knows how to do it. How is she going to handle it? How is she going to handle it? Because Molly can handle it. She's shown it. She thrives off of it. Can Blanchfield do the same? It's a potential star-making moment for her. Like, if Blanchfield loses, it's not the end of the world. It's huge for McCann, puts her in a, a really interesting place. And if Blanchfield loses, it's like, hey, she's 24, she'll come back. Like, it's okay. But if she goes out there and just finishes Molly McCann, it's, it's a potential star-making moment for her. So we'll see. I like the fight. As far as the petrosky tournament fight goes, I'll, I'll go real quick and then I have to go. Betting perspective, I think, I think the value is on Wellington Terman. He's a plus 165 dog. I just, I just feel like Wellington's fought way tougher competition. 
I feel like he's been in there with better guys. I'm just not fully sold on Andre Petrovsky just yet. Like he's got something. He's got something. I'm just not, I'm not fully sold on him yet. The first fight gritty wasn't great. And then Nick Maximoff, like Nick's Nick's a good fighter, but he's not great. I think we all know that young, another young guy who's kind of one dimensional. If we're being honest, and Petrosky caught him in a scramble and put him away. I don't know. I just don't know if I'm, if, if this will be one of those fights where I'll learn a lot about Petrosky. Cause I just think Terman's been in there with better guys. So, but maybe Andre's ready for the spot. Who knows? But yeah, I think the value from a betting perspective is on Wellington Terman here. I just feel like he's been in there with better, better competition. I think he's a little more well-rounded than Petrosky. Petrosky's a dog, man. So we'll see what happens. All right. I got to go. I've gone on way too long. I'm going to yell that probably, but it's okay. Uh, tomorrow we're going to do this again, but it will not be at the normal time. We're going to go a little later, uh, because we have the official UFC 281 weigh-ins going down between nine and 11 AM. So we're going to have the live weigh-in show. I would never interrupt AK or that. I might even jump on with those guys for a little while. And then once the weigh-in's over, we'll come on here and we will just react to it all do the free-for-all Friday stuff for about an hour and then get ready for just a chaotic day with multiple press conferences and ceremonials. And then we'll have a preview show sometime tomorrow. I think it's actually be a little bit later on in the day. I think it'll probably be after ceremonials. So a lot to look forward to. BTL, 1 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget about that. It should be a lot of fun. Nothing but UFC 281 talk. And I'm jacked up for this card on Saturday. So thank you very much. Appreciate you very much. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. We'll see you for BTL at 1 o'clock. Have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA. For new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.